When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now, here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Hello, and welcome to the show. Thank you for listening, everyone. Got quite a bit to talk about on this NFL Sunday Going to recap a little bit of the action yesterday and what amounted to a very quiet day in college football, even though there was a bit of drama going on in the Big Ten between uh, Michigan and Ohio State having to go down to the wire to pull off victories in what should have been cakewalk matches. Uh, Basically, all of the top teams in college football decided to take a bye week and scheduled much weaker competition amongst the top eight seeds. I mean, it was pretty much cakewalk city for uh, many of these teams. I mean, Alabama's playing the Citadel. Although that game was tight at halftime, showing just how little Alabama cared about the game itself until Nick Saban ripped into him at halftime. But, you know, at the face of it, you know, the primetime matchup on ESPN, I mean, well, ESPN and ABC, uh, just because they alternate depending on your region, but, you know, UCF against Cincinnati should never be the marquee matchup, but that's how weak the slate was yesterday in college football. You had you had to put UCF in primetime because there was nothing else to play. Uh, I mean, realistically, like Clemson's in a cakewalk against Duke, and yes, I know Duke is stronger uh, this year than in years past, but it's still Duke football. I mean, come on, let's be honest with ourselves here, people. I mean, it's Duke. <laughs> so, it, it, you know, at the end of the day, you had what was supposed to be the matchup of the day between Notre Dame and Syracuse. And unfortunately, the game was over before it really began because uh, Syracuse senior quarterback Eric Dungy gets injured on a QB scramble uh, halfway through the first quarter. And, you know, I thought Syracuse was going to put up a great fight. I mean, the spread was... Nine and a half, ten points. Uh, I had money on Syracuse, uh, truth be told. And as soon as I saw Dungy ride around the ground, like, I fired up the live betting app and, like, had to put my money back on Notre Dame just to cover myself because as soon as I saw him writhing around, I'm like, this game's over. Syracuse didn't have any options other than Dungy moving around being a mobile tank and just taking a bunch of hits. And, you know, it just got a hit in a bad spot, uh, uh, injured hip, and, you know, that was all she wrote. I mean, Syracuse's offense did nothing the rest of the game against that Notre Dame defense. I mean, it was a 36-3 blowout. I mean, there was nothing, honestly, there was nothing else Syracuse could have done about that game once Dungy went down. Because once he went down, like, they were one-man offense. Their offense is predicated on RPO plays and Dungy being able to scramble, take some hits, uh, deal some damage of his own, and uh, keep the ball moving for Syracuse. Uh, as a mobile QB, but once that was taken out, I mean, it was a wrap. Uh, you know, nothing you can do about that. So, 
you know, you just had a bunch of games in college football where it was just along the lines of, yeah, somewhat interesting. You had the Maryland almost pulling off an upset of Ohio State, but I keep saying this to folks, and the reason why you can't take Ohio State seriously, and no, it's not the fact that the entire university like covered up an entire uh, domestic abuse uh, investigation for over three years. Uh, you know, it's not even it's not even the off the field uh, stuff. It's the fact that Ohio State does not have a defense. They have no defense whatsoever. So they get exposed every time they play, especially on the road. But r- realistically, against a halfway decent offense, that Ohio State team's giving up thirty five points a game. Easy. There's no getting around it. Like they cannot stop anyone that has an even remotely above average arm. So once that happens, I mean, Ohio State's always going to be in the shootout. And, you know, uh, it's it's a case where, you know, if I'm Urban Meyer and I'm seeing this, do I really want to go into a college football playoff with no defense? And the fact that I got to go up against teams with good defenses that can actually maul my quarterback, who's an NFL prospect, and I get smashed on national television yet again in a playoff scenario? I really, I'm very, very much interested in seeing how Urban Meyer takes us because this, there's a real chance that Ohio State beats Michigan, whom I'm also not entirely sold on either. Both Michigan and Ohio State have their foibles where I could say, like, either one of these teams can make it in uh, to the college football playoff, and I can easily see both of them getting absolutely crushed in the college football playoff. So once that happens, that it just turns it into a very, very awkward situation where I, I could just see it going uh, sideways uh, for either of those squads. So, you know, they managed to escape, but at the end of the day, they both have some question marks that I, I think would easily get exposed by a top-tier team. So moving on from college football, we had some NBA action last night. And, you know, only reason why I'm talking about the NBA is the fact that somebody dropped 60 and still managed to lose the game. I'm talking about Kemba Walker of the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, the Hornets lose at home uh, to the Sixers, and it's Jimmy Butler. You know, say what you will about Jimmy Butler being an awful teammate. The fact of the matter is the man knows how to get it done because even though he was not shooting well, uh, if you go back through the game log, he was making some plays defensively, even though he was still getting shredded by Kemba Walker. That that's that's one of those sides where it's like sometimes you got guys that can put up pat stats, and some guys that are just gamers. Jimmy Butler was getting his ass handed to him by Kemba Walker, and yet still makes a block at the end, saves the ball from going out of bounds to retain it. And drains the game-winning three-pointer. Like, this all happens in overtime. You know, it's just one of those things where, like, you you can say what you want about Jimmy Butler. And believe me, Jimmy Butler, to me, cannot be a max contract guy. Because, to me, a max contract guy has to be able to bring up the quality of the team all around him without being a distraction. And Jimmy, more often than not, cannot help himself because of his personality. He's a prickly personality, 
and he basically gets in guys' faces when they don't meet his level of standard of play. And so when that happens, you know, it, it turns it into a very awkward situation. So, again, you got a guy like Markel Fultz now playing less than 20 minutes a game. Markel Fultz is a t- <laughs> it's a number it's a first round draft pick in the top three. I, I mean, you got Markel Fultz number one draft pick. I, I mean, <laughs> he's the number one draft pick from two years ago. He's not even playing 20 minutes a game. That's that's a honestly, the, the, Kwame Brown is less of a bust than Markel Fultz is at this point. But Here's the thing. You can't play Markel Fultz and Jimmy Butler together. Jimmy Butler will shred Markel Fultz a new one because Markel Fultz is shooting uh, foibles where he can't actually shoot a jump shot anymore. Like, physically, it's either physically Markel Fultz's shoulder is so jacked up at this point that he can't shoot a proper NBA jumper anymore, or mentally, he can't get over the hurdle of being having his shoulder injured to the point where he's got the Chuck Knobloch effect of the actual mechanics of doing a repeated action over a course of time, they lose that ability. It happens with baseball players. It, I, I've almost never seen it happen to a basketball player, but that's what Markel Fultz reminds me of. He reminds me of a catcher in baseball who can't throw back to the pitcher. Or a second baseman like Knobloch who can't throw to first base. You know, it's just one of those things where you see him try to take jump shots. He was 3-6 yesterday, but again, it's an awful-looking shot. It's like, it's so unnatural of a shooting motion. And if you look at the tape of him now compared to where he was a cop, you'd swear he was a completely different guy. Like, if you look at it, it's like you figured he had a twin brother who was not nearly as talented playing in the NBA. You would not suspect that this was the same Markel Fultz Play for Washington. But it is what it is. But uh, Kemba Walker, you know, in a losing effort for the Hornets, puts up 60, you know, goes 12 or 12 from the free throw line. You know, <laughs> I don't know what else uh, uh, you can do if you're Kemba Walker. I mean, the, the truth of the matter is, is that the Hornets are a below average roster. Uh, the, the, truth be told, it's like Tony Parker is basically there collecting a paycheck because he can't really hang in the league anymore. But you know, if you look at the rest of the roster, it's just it's not a good team right now. There's just not, not, there's not much else you can say about it. I mean, uh, it, it's just a case of uh, you know, uh, Kemba Walker has to do it all, and Kemba Walker is a free agent coming up. I would not be surprised if Kemba Walker, being sick of losing in uh, Charlotte, comes over to the Knicks. Because if you're going to lose, might as well lose at home and get paid a lot of money by the Knicks. I mean, I know Knicks fans would like to see Kemba Walker in the garden. They would actually think Kemba Walker would be part of the solution. I'm not entirely sold on that yet, but I would like to see Kemba Walker in just for selfish reasons. Because I think he's a fun player to watch. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know... Milwaukee, I mean, uh, Charlotte uh, is just a case of, you know, Michael Jordan has just made a bunch of bad decisions. I, I, I mean, the fact that he didn't extend Kemba Walker to begin with, you know, was a head scratcher because 
there's not a whole lot going on with that team. So unless he's going to blow up the roster for the third time since he's been the owner of the Hornets in less than 10 years, because MJ has turned this roster over multiple times already, and it still hasn't worked. Marvin Williams remains a bust. There's no way... There's no way of slicing it. I mean, it's 13 years of being a complete another bust, and he's still playing over 25 minutes a game. It's crazy. But that and, th- that and they still got Cody Zeller on the squad. Like, there are some bad players. Uh, like, some bad players on this Charlotte team. It, it's like, whew. Anyway, uh, I got to get into this, the NFL action here because uh, – uh, we're already running behind schedule. So, anyway, uh, looking at the slate of games today, this is one of the hardest DFS slates I can think of to pick because, uh, honestly, the tr- the truth of the matter is the pricing of the DFS teams this year, uh, I mean, especially for this week uh, compared to the rest of the year, it's just all over the map. I, I just can't get a feel for what thought process uh, the powers that be at uh, DraftKings and FanDuel had in mind because they got way too many cheap options at running back. It's almost impossible to figure out what the chalk play is going to be because there are a ton of great plays this week. Uh, but let's get into the game picks uh, first. and then I'll, 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 I'll run it back with the, the actual uh, DFS picks because... Uh, th- this is going to be a very tricky one to navigate. So, uh, in terms of Week 11, uh, the slate looks starts off with the 1 o'clock games, obviously. Uh, you got Texans and Redskins. You know, Texans minus 3. Uh, you know, uh, some places they're laying 2.5, depending on your pool. But uh, I-, I look at this game and I'm saying to myself, Washington has so many injuries at the moment with the offensive line. Washington is predicated on being able to control the line of scrimmage. Texans, you know, for all the complaints I make about Bill O'Brien, the defense always shows up week after week. So I don't see where Washington scores enough points, even though they're at home. I don't see I don't see a scenario where they can score 20 points in this game. So that requires the defense to hold down DeAndre Hopkins and Demarius Thomas because Coming off the bye week, you know, you got you got to deal with Demarius Thomas having a, an extra week to learn the playbook. And then uh, Kiki Kuti is, should, should be good to go uh, today. I, I just look at it, and this is just a bad matchup for Washington. Uh, uh, even though they're at home, it's not a good matchup right now. They got too many injuries. I got to take the Texans here. Uh, not so much because I think the Texans are that good of a team. It's just that... What Washington likes to do and what the Texans are good at, you know, it's not a good matchup right now for Washington given their injuries. If they were healthier on the offensive and defensive lines, yeah, I could take Washington, but not right now. They've got, they're down four linemen on the offensive line. I mean, it's just, it's it's just a train wreck down on the offensive line. Defensive lines down pretty much every starter has missed time this year for Washington this year on the defensive line. So I just cannot recommend them in any capacity. So uh, I would have to take the Texans here. Looking at the next matchup, Ravens hosting the Bengals. Joe Flacco's out with uh, the hip injury, which was expected. 
So you got Lamar Jackson making his first NFL start. The line actually jumped on this one from the Ravens laying three points to now laying six and a half, seven points. I, I mean, based on the, the Flacco news alone, I mean, people are all in on Lamar Jackson. I'm in on Lamar Jackson from a DFS standpoint because the pricing's so cheap on him. But, you know, looking at the Bengals' defense, they're, they're, they had to fire... Uh, uh, they had to fire uh, their defensive coordinator uh, after giving up 51 last week. Uh, Marvin Lewis, if he wants to keep his job, he's got to take back the reins of the uh, being the defense coordinator. But, you know, it's, it's still going to be a work in progress for the Bengals because A.J. Green's still going to be out. Uh, a bunch of injuries on that defense. Right now, they're just not healthy. And the Ravens should be able to take advantage of this even if uh, they have to simplify the offense down to run right, run left, throw down the middle, or option uh, uh, option out to a run play and simplify the offense to that extent for uh, Lamar Jackson, they're still going to win this game. So I, I got to take uh, the Ravens. If it's 3.5, absolutely. If the line six and 6.5, I would lay off of it. Uh, but if you're in a picks pool, that line should still be at uh, three and a half because the decision came in uh, today. So uh, you should be good to go there. Titans going to Indy to play the Colts. Uh, you know, this is an awkward matchup because I look at this as a case where I would pick Tennessee because I don't trust the Colts, but I don't trust the Titans all that much either. But the Titans have been played better on defense as of late. So, I'll give the slight edge to the Titans, even though they're on the road. Uh, Titans, uh, they're they are underdogs by two and a half points. I gotta say that this is going to be one of the less appealing matchups uh, to me on paper, but there is a possibility on uh, DFS that I will have exposure to these guys, mainly because of the fact that. There is potential that you can have some big plays down the field from the likes of T.Y. Hilton. You can get uh, Corey Davis had a big game last week. It can easily happen again today, uh, given his size relative to the Indy corners. So there's a there's a chance that this turns into a sneaky shootout that's in the 50 point range, uh, as opposed to the under 44 point total that is currently associated with it. So. Uh, We'll see how it goes, but uh, that's an interesting one to keep an eye out for. Steelers traveling to Jacksonville to play the Jags. Uh, Steelers laying five and a half. You know, I know people are all on the Steelers today. The narrative says be all in on the Steelers. Uh, The Jags are in complete disarray. But let's remember, and as much as I trash Blake Bortles and the Jaguars, let's remember, last year... Jacksonville absolutely owned the Steelers. Beat them three times. Convincingly, by the way. It was not that close. Uh, it, it, uh, it ter- actually, uh, two, times in regular se- uh, two times in regular season, one in preseason, but you get the idea. It, it was not that close in terms of the matchups. Like, Jacksonville owned the Steelers last year. Uh, and the Steelers were at home in the playoffs. And Jacksonville came in and beat the snot out of them. With Le'Veon. Uh, you know, again, 
the whole Le'Veon, James Conner situation, I know people are saying that they don't need to worry about Le'Veon, James Conner's there. Listen, I will play James Conner in DFS. I'll play him in regular fantasy. But if you're telling me the Steelers are going to absolutely crush the Jaguars, I cannot go that far. I think Jacksonville can cover the 5.5, and and I think Jacksonville has a chance to actually win this game last year. If there's a game that the Jacksonville defense can get up for, it's this one where their backs are completely against the wall, they know another loss, and they are done for the season. So this could go one of two ways. Jacksonville can keep this one close and pull out a victory at the end, or Steelers blow them out early, and Jacksonville's having fights in the locker room at halftime. I could see both scenarios happening. I just tend to believe that the former is a much more likely scenario than the latter, given the fact that these rosters are not that radically different from last year. I think the Jags actually match up very well against the Steelers, and Leonard Fournette ran roughshod over this Steelers defense. I, you know, I'm still want to see the Steelers' defense go up against a power run team like the Jags and get it done. They've been they've been doing well against uh, passing teams, but if the Jags can get the running game going, that's a very interesting matchup to see. So moving on. Panthers going to the Lions, who are in full-on tank mode. Uh, Panthers, four-and-a-half-point favorites, and I got to take the Panthers here. I mean... The Lions are down to Kenny Galladay as the number one wide receiver because Mar- Marvin Jones is out for knee injury. Uh, you got a bunch of injuries on the offensive line for the Lions. Not much help in terms of the passing game, although uh, Lewis, uh, uh, Lewis Riddick is... Uh, 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 Theo Riddick. I'm, I'm saying Lewis Riddick, the ESPN analyst. That's his uncle. Uh, Theo Riddick is the running back for the Lions. So... You know, it's a case where Theo Riddick is actually a play for DFS because technically he will qualify as the number two wide receiver on the Lions right now because of all the injuries. Uh, but I cannot, in good conscience, recommend the Lions at all today, uh, even if you want to do a differential play for a picks pool. Uh, it's like Carolina's one of my locks of the week. If you got them at, uh, if you're able to get them at three and a half, kudos to you. I, I was holding. I was a little bit asleep at the wheel earlier this week with betting uh, on some of these games, and so I missed the three and a half point uh, spread. But you know, I I got to take Carolina here. There's there's just nothing about the Lions I could recommend at the present moment. They got too many injuries. Uh, take the lot. Uh, take take the Panthers over the Lions, and uh, you, uh, just be happy with it. Just because it's not going to be a sexy play today, but you know, just uh, t- take the money where you can get it. Moving on. We got the Cowboys. How about them Cowboys traveling to Atlanta against a Falcons team that will surely find a way to choke this game? Uh, I will trepidly take the Falcons minus three and a half. Man, I do not feel comfortable about that at all for my picks pools. I can easily see a scenario where Ezekiel Elliott runs for 200 yards against this Atlanta defense. Now, the scenario where I don't see Ezekiel Elliott running for 200 yards is because Zeke will run for 140, then catch over 75 yards of receiving yards on dump-off passes from Dak and score a couple of touchdowns receiving as well. Like, I could see Zeke going completely off on the Falcons today. And, you know, 
there really wouldn't be any shock to me over that. Like, there's a very good chance Zeke destroys people today. And, you know, the ownership should be up on Zeke, but this is a very wonky week because I could see a lot of people being on Saquon Barkley for the Giants, which I'll get to in a moment. But uh, Zeke, to me, is an absolute must-play for DFS purposes. There's just... There's just too much good opportunities here for Zeke to go off against a very weak Atlanta defense. Uh, I, I'm sorry. there's I, I don't see any downside to playing Zeke this week, given even though you have all these other running back options available, Zeke to me is to play. Okay, moving things along. You know, I've said my piece enough about the Giants, but this is actually one matchup they should win. Bucks traveling to New York to play the G-Man. Here's the thing about Fitzmagic. He can easily throw for 400 yards, but I know he's going to turn the ball over at least three times. There's just no way Ryan Fitzpatrick is not going to find ways of turning the ball over in Giant Stadium. I don't care. It's like he did it enough times since the Jets QB. He's going to turn the ball over. That's what he does. He's going to rack up yards. But I say the Giants are going to win this one. It's a pick matchup. match-up. Uh, the Lions moved up to a little over one. But, I, you know, I still look at this as a game the Giants should win. And, you know, even though it's in the Giants' best interest to lose, I would be surprised that the Giants actually lost this one. It, it, it's just one of those matchups where I feel Saquon should have a big game. I think Eli should be able to have some time to throw down the field because Tampa's pass rush, even though JPP is looking at it as a revenge game, you know, outside of him, like, you can double-team him. It's like, there's not a whole lot on this Tampa team. So it's one of the few matchups in the league that this offensive line should look good against. I just don't see how Tampa's defense matches up with the Giants' skill position players. So I look at the Giants... Uh, as a healthy win here, I think they can win by a touchdown. And yeah, I mean, even with a line this thin, I I look at the Giants. And I I think it's a lock. So I I'm going with the Giants here, even though it's against our best interests long term to get a high draft pick. So uh, go with the Giants. Uh, that uh, that basically takes us into the four o'clock window, and you know. A couple of matchups that I don't really care about, but, you know, we got to cover them. Uh, You got the Raiders going to Arizona. I mean, you know what I've already said about John Gruden. I mean, man's run Ponzi scheme. This is not a real football team. As much as I don't like the Cardinals, you know, the fact that Byron Leftwich is now the offensive coordinator, they've looked better offensively already. So I have to give the edge to... Arizona to cover the five and a half uh, points uh, that they're laying here. Just from the standpoint of you cannot, under any circumstance, bet on the Raiders. It's just not a good play. They don't like Gruden. Yeah, they're trying to play for their own contracts, but like when you try to go into business for yourself, more often than not, you end up screwing some assignments up and and causing more disruption amongst your defensive unit. I do not like the way the Raiders look right now. I would still take the Cardinals. Moving on, we got the Chargers hosting the Broncos. Uh, Depending on the line, you can get the Chargers at 7.5 or 7 points. 
I I look at this as a case of, you know, Melvin Gordon's going to get used quite a bit against the Broncos' rush defense, which, although shaky, has been better in recent weeks, but I would not say to the extent of that they could shut down Melvin Gordon. Plus, Joey Bosa's coming back on the defensive side, so the pass rush should be phenomenally better than it has been uh, since the beginning of the year with uh, without Bosa. Uh, I don't see where the Broncos really realistically keep up with this game. So I got to take the Chargers here, minus seven or seven and a half. Uh, it doesn't matter. I still think they win by more than a touchdown. I don't see where the Broncos keep up. And this is probably going to be the beginning of the end of Vance Joseph in Denver, uh, by all accounts. Moving on to the late night game, uh, you know, I don't know where to make uh, where to kind of make up my mind here because we got the Vikings traveling to Chicago. Chicago's not getting respected; they're a home underdog. Uh, they're minus two. Uh, Oh, actually, you know what? I, I'm I screwed that up. Uh, Chicago is being favored. I thought they were the, the underdog here. Uh, I, I'm looking at a different line here, uh, uh, but uh, realistically, Chicago should be favored here. But they're not being favored by much. Chicago's only favored by t- uh, they're laying two and a half points. Uh, some lines I'm seeing pick them. Uh, I, I just don't see where you could say that uh, the the Bears are not in a position to be able to win this game. Kirk Cousins has not been that impressive. I mean, you can say that Kirk Cousins has been unimpressive, which is one of the arguments I've been making. Mitch Trubisky, I've criticized, but at the same time, the numbers show that he's been far more consistent than Kirk Cousins. You know, on the face of it, you got two good defenses, and the passing game should be stifled, but... Chicago, I actually trust more than Minnesota right now in terms of being creative on offense. So if it comes down to a big player or two, yes, I know Minnesota can always throw it down to Thielen or Stefan Diggs, but I think Chicago tackles well enough to prevent the big play. I'm not so sure that Minnesota is going to be able to stop Chicago from getting away with a gadget play with the likes of Tariq Cohen or Taylor Gabriel. I feel as though... They're going to figure out a way of uh, getting a big play down, and that's going to be the difference in the game to get the win. So, you know, this could go sideways, but I I, I like the I actually do like the Bears here, even though I, I'm I'm pretty confident most of the experts are on Minnesota as the underdog. That takes us to Monday Night Football, the game that should have been in Mexico City, except the NFL never actually bothered to check. If the field conditions in Mexico uh, in the Azteca Stadium were actually going to be ready to play well in advance of the game. I mean, the fact that it took up until the week of the game to decide that the game couldn't be played there and have to move it back to L.A., which, again, is going through the worst wildfire in recorded history in the state of California. But, you know, be that everything else that's going on, uh, you know, in terms of questionable air quality, you know, it shouldn't necessarily impact the game based off of the meteorological reports. But, you know, there is a legitimate concern about 
the actual uh, training for some of these teams because they were prepping for uh, a high-altitude game, and now you're coming back to normal sea level. We got two defenses that can't stay off the field, can't stop other teams from scoring. You know, I I really struggle with this one because I feel as though this one's going to be the shootout everyone expects it to be. So I think this game could easily crush 70 points on the over-under. Uh, you know, if I'm, if I'm betting on this one, and I actually don't want to bet on this one because it could easily break one way or another if someone gets a special teams play, something goes wrong, there's a fluke fumble, uh, a bounce in the other way. I mean, if I have to take a team, I'll take the Rams uh, being at home over the Chiefs. Plus, uh, some of the things that were going on is that, you know, both the Rams fans and the Chiefs fans were flying down to Mexico City. So I don't even know how the fan base is actually going to be represented tomorrow, uh, given everything that's going on. So I think there will still be more uh, L.A. fans, uh, just given the fact that the game's in L.A. because of the Chiefs fans traveling down to Mexico City and uh, presumably not being able to get a refund on the, uh, the tickets that they already planned out for the holiday trip. So, you know, it, it, it is it is what it is. So I'm going to take the Rams here minus two and a half. I'm definitely taking the over. Uh, it's just one where I can't see either defense being able to stop the other team. And given, you know, you, you, you had altitude concerns originally. Now you have air quality concerns. I, I look at this and I'm saying to myself, you know, in terms of, the actual point production, uh, we're going to be in a, in a spot where uh, there are going to be tons of points scored and it's just going to come down to whoever has the ball last. So to recap, I still say the Rams, but given the fact that the over-under is still at 63.5, I'm saying this total is going to crush it. I, I, I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of you got two bad defenses, air quality is not great, the, the big boys are going to be sucking wind, between the Rams and uh, the Chiefs, I just think that this is going to be a little man's game. Uh, the, those quick receivers on both sides of the football should dominate this game, and you're not going to see that much of a pass rush in the fourth quarter. We could easily see a scenario where we got t- uh, 28 points in a fourth quarter scenario. I'm just saying. It's just one of those games where even if it starts out slow, keep betting on the over because I, I just see guys wearing out way early in this game uh, compared to normal conditions. So anyway, uh, let's move on to the DFS picks uh, just so I can get this thing up loaded in time. You know, very difficult week uh, to sort out, but I, I'm just looking at it from the standpoint of for a DFS lineup that, uh, that I would go with on – uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, the two guys I want to have in my lineup guaranteed would be Saquon Barkley and Ezekiel Elliott for reasons that are abundantly clear. I talked about this with the Cowboys. They should be able to run rough shot over the Falcons. Zeke can catch balls out of the backfield as well as any back in the league. The Falcons are dreadful, absolutely dreadful. Zeke should have over 200 yards uh, from scrimmage today easily. Uh, if they use them correctly, this should be a monster game for Zeke. Uh, if you're playing Zeke in regular fantasy, I think you're screwed. Uh, but, you know, unless you have another top-tier running back, 
But it's just a matchup where I feel as though it just plays into the hands of what the Cowboys want to do. So I like the Cowboys in that scenario, and I like the Giants because Tampa Bay realistically doesn't have any uh, high-quality players. I mean, JPP is a good pass rusher, but it's a terrible, terrible rush defender. Uh, You know, he's way too undisciplined. So Saquon Barkley should have one of his best games of the year, if not his best game of the year, because of the fact that he's actually going to have running holes to go through. As bad as the Giants' offensive line is, they should be able to create holes because Tampa gets way over-aggressive trying to get pass rush, and they leave lanes open. So Saquon should have a big game, too, uh, running the football and catching the ball out of the backfield. I I just feel as though both of these guys should be rostered on uh, your DFS lineups. The other guy I'm looking at would be Lamar Jackson. And here's the reason why. It's because he's dirt cheap, and there's not much you can get around it. It's the fact that Lamar Jackson... If you're being honest with uh, yourselves here, folks, you know, you look at Lamar Jackson, he could easily rush for 65 to 70 yards today uh, from scrimmage just by scrambling, and that gives you a a solid floor. He's only 4,700 on DraftKings. With that pricing model in place, all you need from Lamar Jackson is to get to 16 points to be a good play today uh, from a fantasy perspective. I mean, think about it. If he rushes for 60 yards, which is easily doable, in my opinion, against a very weak Bengals defense, what are you talking about here? One touchdown throw, and you're easily at 16. I, I mean, I, I just think this is a no-brainer. Uh, you know, the only, the only other guy I would say uh, you play here. Uh, for DFS purposes, uh, unless you're paying up for Drew Brees, you, you can look at Eli or you can look at Marcus Mariota. Uh, Mariota is I, someone I'd probably be underweight on because there's always a chance that that uh, Tennessee Indy game doesn't go the way we're expecting it to, where it could be a sneaky shootout. But Eli should have a good day against Tampa Bay because they're not a good defense. Uh, you know, Eli, when he has time and Tampa Bay's pass rush, can get to Eli, but I don't think they'll be able to get to him consistently because of some of the discipline issues I, I see them having. I think Eli can, man, he can have a great day at 5,200. You know, he's really cheap. You know, th- these are really cheap options. Yes, Drew Brees is up there, and Drew Brees and Carson Wentz should have a monster day throwing the football around at the quarterback spot. But if you, if you're asking me, I'm just saying. You know, go cheap with a quarterback. That way you can stuff your running backs. So you get stuff Zeke uh, and Saquon in there. And if you want to roll with like a David Johnson or Melvin Gordon, you should still be able to have room in the budget to do so because you played Lamar Jackson. It's just saving money. Now, if I'm looking at other spots where I'm going to save money, it's going to be at the tight end spot. So I'd be looking at guys like uh, James O'Shaughnessy for... Uh, the Jaguars because of the fact that, you know, the Steelers are not very good in pass defense against tight ends. With a guy like O'Shaughnessy, you know, you're under 3K uh, in terms of getting a tight end. You could also go Ricky Seals-Jones at 2,900. But, like, my my 
from my perspective, like O'Shaughnessy is the plays. He's twenty six hundred on DraftKings, four grand, which is the bare minimum on FanDuel. You know, it just makes sense because you know, at the end of the day, what what's gonna happen here is uh, from the standpoint of, you know, you need to save money because unless you're paying up for Zach Gertz, there's not a whole lot of value here in some of these plays. Yes. Uh, Greg Olson could get into the end zone for Carolina. That's not a guarantee. And Carolina hasn't been given a exceptional amount of volume uh, to Olson either. So, you know, it's not one where I really want to pay down to go to Greg Olson. I could go with uh, Jared Cook as an option at 3,900. Uh, you know, he's, he's, a, he's in the 5K range on uh, FanDuel. Uh, you know, that's another option, but not exactly a lock either. Uh, given the way the Raiders' uh, offensive line woes have uh, contributed throughout the year uh, as to the deterioration of the passing game. So a tight end spot, I would rather pay down, fit in, you know, top-tier running backs I can get in there. And then in the wide receiver spot, I'm looking at a guy like T.Y. Hilton. I'm looking at Odell. Sterling Shepard could be a play as well, but, I, you know, I think I would rather have Odell than Sterling Shepard just because uh, the Giants would be more likely to feature uh, Odell than Sterling Shepard by far, uh, given the matchup today. Another guy you could be looking at would be Kenny Galladay of the Lions. Given Marvin Jones being out, I mean, Detroit just doesn't have a whole lot of pass-catching options. So it's either Theo Riddick or Galladay who's going to get the lion's share of the targets. And I would say it's probably going to be uh, it's probably going to end up uh, being uh, Galladay. So I, I like Galladay uh, potentially here. I also like Amari Cooper as an option. And Amari Cooper is only 5,400, and we know Dallas has a propensity of forcing the ball in to Cooper when they should be giving it to Zeke. So Cooper uh, could be a pivot play if you don't feel confident playing Zeke. And you know, realistically, I would tell you, play Zeke. Don't, don't, uh, don't, uh, don't be cute with it. Uh, you know, uh, that's another way you can go about it. So, uh, those are my suggestions. Feel free to disagree, but you know, that's where I feel comfortable with, uh, you know, I still think on the defensive front, Jacksonville's defense is not an absolutely terrible play at 2,200. If you're saving money, I kind of look at Jacksonville and I kind of look at Denver as two options that you can go with because, Again, Denver's only 2K, Jacksonville's 2.2. They can get turnovers. They can get sacks. Uh, it's not out of the uh, realm of possibility that Big Ben throws an interception or Phillip Rivers throws an interception. Uh, I think it's a very real chance that you could have uh, some turnovers here. And then the Giants' defense at uh, 2.4K. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely a viable option because it's fits magic. He could easily turn the ball over four or five times. I think it'll probably only be about three times before he gets yanked. But, you know, very real chance that uh, you you get Fitzpatrick uh, uh, falling off uh, the face of the earth uh, in the, uh, in Giants Stadium and uh, uh, at MetLife. And, you know, the Giants take advantage of it. So, again, you know, to recap, stick with the premium running backs. I would say Saquon and Zeke are a must. You can use... Uh, you can use David Johnson, but I, I just kind of look at it from the standpoint of, you know, if you can get those quality backs in there, that makes all the difference in the world because now you'll be able to get yourself in a much better position overall 
to uh, be successful this uh, this slate because of the lack of wide receiver help that you're going to get at the middle tier. I, I think it's a very weak wide receiver core this week, so you're, you're kind of left with hoping for the best rather than... Because, yes, you can play Michael Thomas, but it's such a high premium that I think it's an easier play just going with Saquon and Ezekiel than having Michael Thomas pay it off for you. So those are my suggestions. Uh, Hopefully uh, you have some success with them. Uh, Best of luck to all of you with your lineups today and for regular fantasy. So that's going to do it for the show today. Have a good one and enjoy the games. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.